0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, February 5th, 2024. I'm Caleb Brown. One way to address federal debt could be as simple as devolving a lot of spending. With massive transfers from feds to the states, Cato's Chris Edwards offers some ways Congress can begin to stem rapidly growing federal debt. Chris, how do states keep their budgets in relative balance. You you, you draw this distinction between how the states and feds handle the issue of debt. How are states constrained in a way that the feds are not?
1: Well, there's a stark difference between federal debt and state and local government debt. Federal debt at around $26 trillion now is eight times higher or larger than all the debt of state and local governments combined in the United States About $26 trillion for the feds and about three trillion for all the state and local governments. Uh, That's a pretty uh, strange difference given that politicians uh, in general love to spend and politicians love to deficit spend. So why is there such a giant difference? And the answer is, is that state governments have a whole array of restraints on how much they can borrow. States are generally required by their constitutions or by statute to balance their budgets every year. They generally only borrow for capital investments. General obligation debt, which is supported by taxes, generally has to be approved by voters. And credit rating agencies keep tabs on how much state and local governments are borrowing. And when they borrow too much or their interest uh, payments are getting too high, they issue sharply critical reports and they downgrade state debt. And that's a big embarrassment to state politicians. So there's all these layers of restraints on state and local government debt. And there's no restraints, unfortunately, on federal government debt.
0: Now, uh, with specific respect to uh, bond ratings and the the debt ratings that states receive, how serious is that threat Uh, How often does it happen that uh, a state's bond rating is downgraded and thus they have to pay more uh, to borrow?
1: Well, it's a pretty uh, pretty common and frequent occurrence. I mean, the credit rating agencies like Moody's do uh, frequent updates uh, where they analyze state fiscal situations in detail. They look at how much debt they have. They look at how much unfunded obligations they have. They look at the pension plans. And when they downgrade, it creates a lot of newspaper headlines in the states. And it makes politicians in the state very uncomfortable because they know they've got to have balanced budgets every year. So when Interest costs are higher after a downgrade. It means that the state politicians have to cut other spending, which they don't like to do. So, even in the the more liberal states, and even in the worst-run fiscal states like Illinois, those credit uh, rating downgrades are really meaningful, and politicians try to avoid them.
0: So, how do we inject some federalism into the discussion about federal debt? What what is the, the 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 ways in which we can make states And the structure of states work on behalf of (laughs) at least slowing the rate of increase, if not reducing federal debt.
1: Well, the overarching fiscal problem in America today is this unbelievable amount of borrowing and debt the federal government is doing. We're going into debt more than a trillion and a half dollars additionally every year. And and we are headed for some kind of giant crash or fiscal crisis or economic crisis caused by the federal debt. So if you look at the difference between state and federal debt, the thing that sort of strikes you is that, look, states have all these fiscal controls in place and they, they don't work perfectly, but they work. They, they work pretty well and they keep state debt low. So it strikes me that one of the solutions to America's um, fiscal problems is to push a lot of this federal spending we're now doing back down to the state level. I mean, the federal government gives state governments more than a trillion a year for state and local programs like K-12 education, welfare programs, housing programs. These are purely local activities. And frankly, the federal government simply does not have the budget room anymore to fund these state and local activities. So I think the federal government and Congress hopefully the next president is more reformist than the, than the current uh, and, and prior ones. You know, one reform solution is to phase out federal subsidies for state and local activities like K-12 education. You know, we spend 50 billion, the feds spend about 50 billion on that. The feds spend about 60 billion a year on state and local housing. We got to get the federal government out of those activities, push it back down to the states, and then they'll let this, you know, the states will will handle it. And if they want to fund those programs, uh, they're going to be forced to trade off with higher taxes. But that decision to to make those trade-offs should be up to them if state politicians are forced to make trade-offs federal politicians are not
0: so practically speaking where do we begin with doing this i know you know our colleague uh romina baccia has been pushing a a, a debt commission to the extent that that has as much teeth as as we might like it to have uh it would seem natural for the feds to want to push a lot of this spending off of the federal books.
1: The message or the lesson, I think, of uh, the last big federalism reform, which was welfare reform in 1996, which sort of capped how much subsidies the the federal government gives to the states on welfare, there was years of efforts by reform-minded members of Congress to to push for that reform, and it finally happened. So we need reform-minded members of Congress to target a number of agencies and departments that ought to be phased out and given back to the states and focus on that and inform Americans about what the shortcomings are. I think the lowest hanging fruit here is the Federal Department of Education. Uh, Ronald Reagan uh, proposed abolishing that when he ran for office in 1980. I think the Department of Housing and Urban Development, which subsidizes uh, local public housing and local community development, uh, I think it's easy for people to understand. Those are purely local uh, activities that should be funded by local governments, not the federal government. So I think those are the low-hanging fruits. Our urban transit funding, federal government spends about $20 billion a year on that. But there's no reason why taxpayers in, say, Texas ought to be paying for New York City subway systems. So I think, you know, tackle those lowest-hanging fruits reform targets, uh, make the case for it to the people, and then hopefully if we have a reform mining president incoming down the road, you know, he or she can make that happen.
0: I want to understand a little bit better about this. A lot of the programs where uh, it, like in the case of Medicaid, it's a federal and state, they call it a partnership. But of course, states which have constrained budgets— are constantly working. And this is true across a lot of federal spending on local projects. The states are strongly encouraged to maximize that federal funding so that their budgets are freed up, their constrained budgets are relatively freed up to spend on other things. So we have a a situation where the federal government is strongly encouraged uh, by the states benefiting from these programs to spend more.
1: Exactly. You've, this is a key problem when the federal government funds properly state activities. The classic federal aid program is a 50% matching program. So like with Medicaid, if a state uh, goes out and spends another $2 by expanding their Medicaid program, they draw an extra dollar from Washington. So this strongly encourages states to over-expand their programs. A great advantage in getting the federal government out of state activities is that state policymakers will be forced to make trade-offs. They will be forced to balance the uh, political benefits of the spending with the political pain of having to raise taxes. And so this is, again, the key insight of my new Cato study is that state governments are under tight restrictions to balance their budgets. And that's why most government spending in America should be done at the state level because state policymakers are forced to make trade-offs.
0: Chris Edwards occupies the Kilts family chair in fiscal studies and is also the editor of downsizinggovernment.org. We spoke last week. Subscribe to and rate the Catery Daily podcast wherever you please. And thank you for listening.